0: isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast, a breaking news podcast covering the UAP congressional hearings that happened the 17th of May 2022, hot off the press, um, fresh from a live stream of it, making notes, discussion. Dan is with me. Dan, hello.
1: My eyes burn from the screen, Andy.
0: <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> it's they, the, wonderful go- <laughs> the goggles, they do nothing to quote the Simpsons. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, so it's a good reference straight off the bat. Uh, <laughs> listen, this we're going to tell you straight from the off. Um it only happened four or five hours ago. I I was working so missed the first sort of 45 minutes ish of the the proceedings and I've not had a chance to go back and watch but I've just been catching up with Dan and I was tweeting all day and stuff as well um but I did manage to catch pretty much the full full second half as such and yeah it's our very much our thoughts just bleh out as it's after it's happened yeah. and of course later in the week I think we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown on some bits and pieces of news and as things continue to come out from the congressional hearings today then we can kind of share some more rounded thoughts but these are very much our instant reactions dan fair to say
1: yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's it's fresh. Uh, things are still falling into place. There are articles being published by journalists as we speak. Uh, this is kind of setting the world on fire a little bit. It's, it's very cool.
0: It's fresh and steamy, like a hot pile of organic matter that's fallen from a craft that we don't know what it is. You um, have to
1: work that into a manscaped ad at some point.
0: I, I will put it into my landscape <laughs> ads, yeah. Oh, God. Um. But, yeah, I mean, do you know what? It was almost a quote we got from one of the congressmen, actually, uh, during the hearings, and I put up uh, a quick poll yesterday asking people did they think we would hear, like, the word extraterrestrial, you know, E.T., that kind of stuff, and most folk were like, no, and I didn't expect to either, but we got wreckage, we got, you know, E.T., we yeah. got life potentially traveling here from other places, I, I was blown away by the re- uh, the language, the terminology, the body language. The officials the, are pretty
1: informed, right? Like very, not necessarily yeah. those testifying, but certainly those asking the questions. I was I was impressed. I, I feel like they'd either you know had had the ear of someone who could guide them, uh, you know, maybe some of their constituents, or you know they they just done their research. I, I, I mean, was impressed.
0: It's no secret that Lou Elizondo was in Washington a few days ago. His picture was put online by loads right. of people on Twitter and stuff. And you would imagine other people like that would have hopefully helped shape and mold the questions that were going to be asked. Um, yeah. Even then, like the Republicans and Democrats who have an interest in this on the pilots that were there, just been able to throw in that, you know, we really should ask about this. And I, I was amazed at what came up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, we, we know that briefings have been ongoing um, for a while now uh even behind closed doors, um, in twenty nineteen. Uh that you know, there just there's been a lot of briefings going on. So so I think the the circle of people who kind of know or are getting to know the history of this subject is, is steadily growing.
0: The two gentlemen in question, being questioned, grilled, uh, cross-examined, whatever it was today, uh, were uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Oh wait, sorry, no, that's the <laughs> that's the different other court one. Yeah, that's the other court case. Yeah, that uh, was uh, Ronald Miltrey, the Right Honourable, and uh, Mister Scott Bray. The Ronald Miltrey is the Under Secretary of Defense. Is that the exact same title that Chris Mellon held, but back in the day? I That's think it's a
1: it very is. good question. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure it is. Unless there is a little bit more to the end of it, like for for counting intelligence or something. But it, it may or may not be his, you know, predecessor, 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 as such. But deputy uh, assistant to the secretary of defense. So different, uh, different title. It is close. Okay, it's a little <laughs> bit David Brent, isn't it? Assistant manager, assistant to the manager. You're okay, <laughs> I'm sure it's still a very well paid and lovely pension oh, yeah. position to be in. There's a lot of responsibility. And, yeah scott bray is the deputy director of naval intelligence which again is uh, a pretty lofty role to be to be in i thought of the two over the course scott bray was particularly anxious and jittery at times and yes. he, he made me fumbled. think
1: that naval intelligence is a misnomer that those two words don't go together you know
0: yeah and listen i i get it was partly a job well done to those who were questioning because the directness of the questions and the follow-ups were pretty ferocious at times, and those political throwaway lines that were sometimes regurgitated or generic vague answers were were met with another question back, or sometimes quite derogatory statements as well, that you know, quite damning of the answer that had come yeah, back at them, absolutely. which is fair play. Like,
1: they, they got accused of hitting a bunch of low-hanging fruit or not giving very strong statements. You, you know, these weren't officials that were just listening to Mark Zuckerberg say a bunch of techy words they didn't
0: understand these guys really went for it they were well metaversed in what they were talking about <laughs> I'm going to stop with the puns. Uh, so, yeah, we had, uh, among others, Andre Carson, Adam Schiff, Mike Gallagher, uh, Dr. Brad Wenstrup, Jim Hines, and a few more. I've not had a chance to even get everyone down yet. Um, from I'll,
1: I'll, I've got a full list. Darren Have you got the list? Re- Elise Stefanik, Chris Stewart, Brad Wenstrup, Rick Crawford, Val Demings, Sean Patrick Maloney, Peter Welsh, uh, Wacken Castro, Mike Quigley, and Andre Carson. And we nice. also had uh, Adam Schmidt
0: as well. Wait, don't forget Adam. Come on. Um so Dan, first thing I want to ask, uh the A O I M S G, the A I M S O G, the S O G A M I, uh, what's going on with the name? We were discussing this beforehand, weren't we? we as were, to yeah. what actually happened.
1: It was it was really funny actually when, when Carson first said it as he was opening, uh he he called it AIMSOG. Uh which, you know, if you if you pretend that the acronym is a word and you say it real fast, you, you can kinda get to AIMSOG. With the um, Sega theme tune in your head? AIM SOG, yeah, exactly, you got it. Um, but I, I literally had a note here that as soon as he said it, I put a little note saying, <clears throat> based on that, a new name is probably coming. Um, and then later on in the hearing, uh, it was said that there is a new name coming for it. Whether it will be Astro, as we loved when Kristen Gillibrand was doing her thing, or whether it will just be UAP Task Force. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool that it'll get a new name because that is a mouthful. You mentioned Kristen Gillibrand. Why wasn't she involved in this? Uh, We're on, basically, this is a different committee. Um, And and it speaks to the the breadth and the amount of officials that are taking this seriously. You know, this is one committee out of a whole bunch of committees. This is just a House hearing. Congress is made up of the, the House and the Senate. So we could still have Senate hearings as well with this stuff we're, you know, we're very much at the beginning of this process. And and in those other spaces are all of these other officials uh, that will hold these people account to account in different ways. So it, it's good to have all of these statements on record, because what will probably end up happening now is that, you know, in a year we could have another hearing and they say that they haven't followed up with the Malmstrom from case or something. They can now go, but you said you were going to. Yeah, <laughs> we have it on video, you know, um, and then, yeah, if, if the work is being done, they can follow up with legislation to make them do the work.
0: I think straight off the bat, they had clearly been watching that UFO podcast on YouTube uh, because they mentioned Jeremy Corbell uh, straight away, <laughs> which I didn't catch uh, full disclosure, full transparency, folks, which isn't something you necessarily got in these hearings. Uh, like I say, I, I missed that first portion of the, the the hearings, but what I did manage to check on Twitter while I was working at the time was that Jeremy Corbell was mentioned straight away, Dan. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, with, with allusions to kind of uh, data that kind of seeped out of the cracks of the office um, and, and how to secure that data. They, they actually brought in Cobell's, uh you, you know, that triangle, green triangle-like video um, and and seemingly gave a solution for it. It was one of two videos shown. Uh, the other video we'll talk about in, in a bit. Um, but Uh, robert uh sorry i need to scott bray (laughs) all these names uh scott bray uh showed the video that cobell showed us and then he said we couldn't explain this one but actually there was another event on the opposite coast uh not long after and we know that that was a drone and look how it looks in this video and it looks exactly the same pretty much it's a triangle um and the explanation was that the night vision goggles with an slr held to it just meant that it was making this shape when it hit the sensor and it was recorded that way so i i think that's a reasonable explanation uh i don't think it's a bad thing that these cases are sometimes solved i don't know i prefer a solved case instead of a pile of unknowns you know
0: and like you say, something important to point out there for anyone who's disappointed that someone like Mick West was correct. Mick West said the the triangular object was a distant plane, and that wasn't correct mm-hmm. either. It, no, it was it a drone. Exactly. Or they believe it to be a
1: drone. Yes, exactly. So you, you can't, yeah, n- n- neither was right.
0: The truth, as always, was somewhere in between. It's still technically an unidentified flying object. Am I right, Dan?
1: Yeah, uh, I I think they would use the term UAS for Unidentified Aerial System in that case, because, you know, it's not anomalous. They know it's a a genuine human-made system.
0: So were they kind of getting, again, I missed this point, were they kind of getting at the fact this was more than likely adversarial technology that was spying on them? Yes, exactly. Or they they kind of, I, I don't think they said that exactly,
1: but they certainly said it was a commercially available drone
0: okay that's that's fair um so yeah um and then it moved on dan what else did i miss in that kind of first section that was worth calling out yeah sure so they they firstly framed the whole
1: hearing as a national security issue which, which i think we is they fair would. to say yeah, yeah yeah that's kind of been a long-running theme now and and they want their sky secured and you know the people safe and then yeah I, I think that's fair there were a whole bunch of uh conversations that, that were basically the UAP report being read out loud um, with a, with a few assurances. So I won't go over that stuff. Um, you know, they define that UAP just means an airborne object that when encounters can't be immediately identified. Um, they did say they were committed to determining the origins of the UAP, which is exciting. That That's a really good thing. Um, they also said that they want to provide real-time support for everybody. So if they got a report of someone that saw a UAP maybe two minutes ago, they'd be able to, you know, activate and go go uh look at the satellite data and so on and so forth whether the office is prepared to do that um, or even has it in its remit is another conversation entirely um, i would
0: but- i would find that difficult still though because at, at one point we'll, we'll jump about a little bit with this i think we kind of have to just with the nature of it yeah yeah they they mention about this are we not chasing our own tails? They call it blue on blue, or US blue, on yeah. US technology. Which, Friendly fire. Yeah, no doubt at times that can happen. Regardless of you know the conversations we have had with people who are like, no, the US would not have its own technology amongst its own. Well, I think there are examples of that kind of stuff potentially happening in the past. Mm-hmm. But you, when it comes to that US on US technology if there was something that even a private industry or trying to word this carefully, someone like Lockheed Martin, you know, was testing something, if there was an instant response, is that enough time for someone testing something to get out to someone else that don't do anything because this is ours, but you're not meant to know this or not meant to see it or not meant to engage us? Am I making my point that badly, but? Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Um,
1: you, you would expect... There, there was a question asked at some point in the hearing whether we'd fired upon a UAP. You would mm-hmm. you would expect them to defend themselves against a UAP. Yeah. And if that was secret tech, they would have shot it down, right? Um, instead, they haven't. They've sat and they've watched and they've absorbed as much data as they can. We can't see that data, but we know it's there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, from the to went missing. Um, but yeah, if that if that was secret tech... I, they they would i mean they'd said during this that they can't talk about it really in the open hearings but they said we've made the connections with the relevant places to to do that um and still these things are unexplained yeah and to be specific uh, 18 cases basically show anomalous flight characteristics no apparent means of propulsion um and signature management
0: and those 18 cases are something that never came up too often in the second half tell us a little bit more about those 18 cases then as, as to why those came up what were the 18 cases and I don't even know if this did come up I'm sort of asking this as an interested viewer were those 18 cases part of the 143 that were unsolved? Uh, yes basically
1: uh, it was Schiff getting at um, in the 2021 report um, that there were a bunch of cases that were labeled as potentially advanced tech there was 18 of them and he was basically asking if there was crossover between those cases and the cases that they said showed an, uh, a radio frequency signature. So they basically said yes, there are some crossovers there, um, and it kind of moved on from there. Really, um, they can't say much about it because they're they're kind of you know those eighteen cases. They said we're we're most interested in those because they represent either some exotic leap by an adversary or something else. Um, so we've got to figure these out, but as, as the hearing went on, they, they spoke about some of these, these unknown or unsolved cases in in a way that suggested that literally it's just unsolved, but it will be. However, when they were talking about these 18, they, they really kind of, the questions highlighted that these 18 are true anomalies and they've really tried and they've thrown everything they can at these. I'm uh, guessing that's the ones these are not.
0: It's not just been a picture or one data point or a sighting. It's been multiple data points, probably multiple cameras. Yes. Sensors underwater. They and specify they are...
1: three, three, at least when they say multi-sensor, they specified that they mean three uh, sensor systems, including you know the set of human eyes that are there.
0: Yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting stuff. And that's the stuff that we really, really want to see, uh, but don't get to see, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. they They did say that...
1: They never attempted communication as well, uh, which I thought was interesting considering they said that they detected RF for us, a radio frequency burst would suggest that we were trying to communicate. Uh, It's really strange that they didn't try and either read it or talk back.
0: Yeah, and I was making this point to you, wasn't I beforehand? When I heard that, I thought that was really strange because if you were encountering something that was potentially a manned craft or was piloted or unmanned but they could communicate with why wouldn't you put out a basic and someone from the military might be able to tell me why you know hi us navy on training here or i'm a pilot doing x y and z can you identify yourself you would think in the basics they would at least try but like they said they were very much like nope
1: nothing they just didn't they just didn't say anything and and it's weird especially considering that they literally in this portion Talking about these 18, they literally say, we are not aware of any adversary that can move an object without a discernible means of propulsion. I mean, it's a wordy statement, but it means, no, it's not China or Russia. That's the simple yeah. translation of
0: that. Absolutely. Um, Scott Bray was asked about civilian reporting, and uh, which was nice to hear that it moved away slightly from the military aspect of it. Yeah. And he gave a, a nice fluffy answer about, we've got a great relationship with the FAA, and he tried to go off on a little bit of a tangent. And he was then asked very directly again, I'm asking you, do we have, you know, civilian reports on these things as well? And I felt this was one of the times I noticed him starting to really struggle and trip up. And he was like, uh, yes, we do get reports. Yeah. And I think the, the response back, uh, if you could re- remind me who it was from, Dan, if you if you've got a note of that uh it's quite a sharp response back which is very much a well wouldn't it make sense to have a standardized report then that we can all basically get the information we need from to move forward let me find it in my notes
1: uh that was i think carson
0: possibly Either way, it, it was said back, and it but it was quite quite damning, quite direct, which I, which I liked, and it was it was kind of makes you sit up and take notice. I didn't sit up; I was doing the dishes at the time as well. Oh, Wenstrup, so. Wenstrup, cool, when yeah, Trump, yeah. Um, they,
1: we we were all, they were also talking about you know sharing data with allies and how much data you should share because of the quality of the data, um, and and saying that they have to be cautious when trusting data that's brought in from outside. But I think in an age where the planet's bathed in, you know, all sorts of frequencies detecting whether it's taking a heat image of the ground or looking at neutrinos or whatever, there are a lot of sensors around us that, you know, if Andy saw, uh, if you saw a UFO, there would probably be enough sensors around in the sky at any given time to actually get
0: some corroborative readings. Absolutely. I'm glad you said corroborative and not me. Uh, <laughs> Jim Hines asks Scott Bray to clarify a little bit on when he talks about UAP just being something unidentified in the sky. he Or, or having something truly anomalous or unidentified. He, he says that ranges, doesn't it, from seeing something through a foggy, murky night, and I'm paraphrasing, to the extreme of organic materials that we don't know where they're from which I thought was quite a contrast and juxtaposition. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's interesting because he is kind of getting at potential metamaterials. Yeah, so that's yeah, absolutely. quite a and, leap. And possibly a, a
1: biological component as well, whether that's how it affects us or yep. the occupants of the craft, maybe. Uh, but again, just that language being present in this hearing made me excited because they're, they're asking the questions that we want them to ask, you know?
0: Yeah, it kept going. And do you know what? Ronald Miltree made a... Um, a fair point where he said the the issues they face, I think he interjected at one point to kind of help Scott Brey out a little bit, the way it yeah. kind of came across to me, and um, that this is largely an issue of insufficient data for many of these unresolved cases. And I think he mentions at that point, or at least one point that, you know, because of the funding they have. They get the results they have because of a lack of funding and resources, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe asking for extra money, which no doubt they they would want and probably will get. But I think it is a fair point that maybe we do have to look at they're not completely lying about everything and hiding everything, but a lot of these things maybe are still unidentified because of a lack of data. Um, We we almost need, like, you know, they they had the other pile,
1: We almost need to separate that pile again into this is the stuff that we just don't have enough data to solve. And this is the stuff that we know is just weird, you know?
0: And I think that's the stuff that, and we'll get to it, that Chris Mellon and Tim Burchett and others were frustrated about afterwards that these guys will have heard about and seen that stuff that we can only speculate about. So they are looking going, no, 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 not that video, not that one. Don't ask that question. You know what you should be asking. You know what we've got. But the gentleman in question being questioned also know what they can avoid. Yes. Because it's not going to be brought up. And we do have to caveat, we never mentioned before, the session lasted about 90 minutes, about an hour and a half. There was then a recess till 12 p.m. Eastern. And then there was going to be the, the classified portion, which the public obviously don't get to see and hear. Which no yeah, doubt there right. would have been some follow-ups because there were a few questions asked that are prefaced or, or given a bit of context that you might not be able to answer, and I understand because there is a classified section coming up. However, and they try and talk around that. So yeah. that that's the, the underwater stuff was part of that. that. Yeah. That
1: system of microphones is so secretive. Um, and, and I'm talking to someone this week that actually will be able to speak to how sound kind of moves differently through different layers of the ocean. Uh, so it, it'll be
0: interesting to, to learn about that. Just on that briefly, Dan, not to go away too much, but just remind people you're recording tomorrow night as we discuss this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, or or maybe, maybe the day after. Um, but yeah, I'll be conducting
1: my first interview uh, for my own little show uh, called Colouring Outside the Line. So keep an eye out for that soon. Uh, it'll be through this channel, so you don't have to go anywhere to hear it. Uh, I hope you don't
0: mind us doing something a little different that is is still relevant to the subject. I suggest you don't listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be good. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that myself as well, folks. But yeah, just just to get that in there, I think it's worth mentioning. It um, but but you're right; it's a nice little segue into that as well. When you talk about those underwater sensors and microphones, and like when I asked Lou a couple of weeks ago on our interview, Lou Elizondo, folks, apologies, Lou, um, about why these UAP seem to travel slower underwater, and he actually suggested that's more than likely due to the abilities of the equipment we have can only track a certain speed, and they probably go far, far, far faster, as a, as has been picked up as yeah. well. So we
1: we have a similar issue with them coming from seventy eight thousand feet, right? That's just the height of the radar. It doesn't mean they come in from seventy eight thousand feet; they are coming from outside of that. Um, who, who knows? They might just know that that's our range and know that they can pop in anywhere they want outside of that, and we will infer that they came from
0: space. You get an image of their head on your head, don't you, with the tic-tacs just sitting at 80,000 feet and then going yeah. zoop, as opposed to they could have come from way, way, way out in space and just went zoop and just kept going and then stopped, which should yeah. be even more impressive. Yeah, it would be. Very change of the sea. Could have came from the moon and done that. They could have came from the other side of the planet and done that. They could have been in the water and one side of Catalina had gone up and then came back down. Yeah, absolutely who knows i'm just covering all the bases there folks not giving anything <laughs> away but yeah so it was really interesting that was mentioned um where else what have we got uh, we we
1: found out that they they do not know about the icbm events like Malmstrom, which befuddled a lot of people because there is official documentation on these yeah, things go back this is being called out why they already they not have that um you know I, I think everyone was shocked when they said that uh but at least it's been brought to their attention. And Gallagher literally said, well, I'm asking you guys to look at it now. So will you? And they said, yes. So hopefully in the next hearing or in the future, we learn a little bit more about Malmstrom, though probably not likely considering that there's a nuclear relation there.
0: Yeah, I felt Mike Gallagher made himself a bit of an instant star and hero here to many. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he asked about the strategic nuclear sites, like you say. Um, Scott Bray said that the data is not within the holdings of the UAP task force. And again, I thought he struggled to answer here. Um, he says that informal stories have been heard. Um, he says he's not seen official data. He's asked about Malmstrom. Um, I thought the terminology used was important. Um this is one of the bits
1: where gallagher got a bit fiery he was just like he did like come on it's pretty high profile it's out there in ether if you're not looking at it you're the guys that are meant to look at it who is you know
0: was it not also gallagher that made the comment when he was asked i've not been asked and he said well i'm asking you yes exactly i liked i like that one where it's like oh yes yeah, yep. i'm asking well, you to 100 <laughs> percent um he had also just before that asked about ha- had there been any projects before or between project blue book and atip and moultrie comes in and says he's not aware of anything official and this was just one of those i thought the language is very careful yes and i want and i think at that point the interviewer in me was going yeah ask him about unofficial however they can't talk about that in a declassified public setting I would hope that is something that is followed up within the classified yeah. section, where they go. So we previously asked you this, and you said you had nothing official, off unofficial, off the books. What have you heard about, and what's being dealt? And I think that would be really, really interesting yeah, yeah. to hear. Absolutely.
1: And and speaking about like unofficial and off the books, we even had the Wilson documents brought up. That that was for me the the delightful surprise of the hearings because they, they've the famous, been controversial. The famous um, Eric Wilson. <laughs> famous eric wilson yeah um yeah the, the wilson documents if people don't know they they're just a, a series of notes on on a meeting that supposedly took place um between one eric davis and and uh someone else they're out there to read uh um, middle wilson you know yeah at admiral wilson um yeah they're out there to read if you want to in terms of the veracity of them there's a lot of debate around them so so i really don't know um but it's interesting I, I... That they came up
0: i have to point people to joe murgia i interviewed joe murgia and we yes. talked about these as well but if you check out joe murgia's blog his tweets he talks about the wilson docs every other day um it's very much worth jumping on there to look at his extensive kind of research into those as well yeah, yeah, uh, joe murgia is very one-sided on those that they 100 percent happened exactly as is written there's no disinfo for anything along with it and, and I'm, I'm not saying i disagree with that but joe will present one side of it it's very well researched though and uh it's it's a very good take on on those documents if you want to find out about them just to give the other side of it as well um
1: the the other theory that goes around about it is a somewhat absurd claim that it could be a movie script written by someone now, I, I think John Greenwald, when he says that, is just saying it as an example to kind of go, look, we don't have proof either way. So my theory is just as valid as yours, which is fine. But it's a weird way to make that point, you know. <laughs>
0: and, and Admiral Wilson's always denied it happened, hasn't he? Yes. But you would because of, course of you the would. claims within those documents talking about crash retrieval programs. And this is something that that infamous second New York Times article was always... Fated or claimed to have potentially within it and it didn't happen it probably would have largely been down to the wilson davis memos and what may or may not have been within those so um however that has now been submitted for public record within the within the halls of congress which is which is crazy because i think it's one of those things if someone said if i tweeted last night dan and said to the public i am the public as well but to to the people who were tweeting you know, do you think we will hear about the Wilson Davis memo? I think it would have been a resounding no, like yes. not a chance, no way they're going to talk about they definitely that. Definitely, I voted no
1: on a poll on that.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, that's why I wouldn't have even thought of putting that in there. Never for a, I thought Roswell would have been more likely than the Wilson Davis memo to be brought up. Yeah, so and, I mean,
1: it was mentioned. Roswell got a mention.
0: Yeah, I think most uh, I think it was Mulder, wasn't it? He said, yeah. Yeah,
1: people, you know, talk about Roswell and stuff." So. Yeah. Not not completely in a ways.
0: If you came up with a drinking game for this, you would have been absolutely <laughs> smashed by the halfway point. Um but yeah, I thought that was fascinating and I think there's definitely more to come from that. That's an informed an informed thing to bring up. That's not a off the cuff or nuclear site incident or you know, that's that's pretty out there. That's a yeah. a curveball to to throw in um for any conversational point, even if it was to be shot down straight away. So I'd be really interested to see where Mike Gallagher keeps going with this, um, yeah. because it's a big thing to bring up. Um, he, he
1: seems to know the answers that he wants, right? Um, yeah. and, and he doesn't seem to be letting up. He seems to get visibly annoyed that they weren't saying these things. So whether he knows and he knows they're being dishonest, or whether he's just fed up with the runaround, uh, I don't know. But he, yeah, he he did a great job. There was there was a weird bit with uh, it was Mister La um where they were talking about the consequences of putting out fake UAP reports. And it got a little yeah. strange, like talking about misinformation. like really, like held liable for putting out... So it, it made me think like, what, if, if I'm near a nuclear site and I see a drone or I see a UAP over it and I report it, I'm going to get arrested? Like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense in reducing the stigma and stuff like that.
0: That's not the way I read it. Oh, go on. Or, or How did you read it? it? So... I've got down, and I'm, I've only heard it once. And again, this might be totally I mean, wrong. Yeah, uh, Moultrie was asked about what's being done to hold people accountable in terms of misinformation being put out, and I wondered: Does this include people like Susan Go and the the email stuff, oh, and if people are lying about people's roles within ATIP or OSAP? Or does it go as far as, as not to name names, what people are saying online about other individuals that they could be held accountable if they're deliberately lying? Does it go as far as that? So I I didn't really take away the reporting side of it. I kind of, almost a slander or, you know, libel law in the UK. That's what I was thinking. And I was like, is this what they're kind of getting at? Where if you're obfuscating the truth by deleting people's emails and lying about their role and and all that kind of stuff, stop yeah yeah that's what i was kind of thinking no i mean that that would be great and I, i hope that i
1: misheard and that's exactly what it was because we need that and it would be great to have that law in place because maybe maybe susan goff would you know just think twice before sending that email
0: yeah um big statement one of the big statements for me and it was a bit of a throwaway, folks and i'm paraphrasing again was uh mr welsh is mentioning about, you know, different potentials of what some of these things may or may not be. And he gives a throwaway line of, you know, it's not entirely impossible that some extraterrestrial life is visiting us from somewhere else. And I thought that was an incredible statement to make. And let's preface, for before anyone gets upset, we are not saying, he was 100% saying we have extraterrestrial life visiting us. But even just an off-the-cuff comment, in that setting to say, you know, it's not entirely impossible, that we have some form of alien life visiting us, and that's what that some to, of these so are. Like
1: Neil deGrasse Tyson, or you oh, know, I was Kutton going to say that, K, you know, like yeah. the here is an official who's actually open-minded, and you know, I don't know if he's been following the James Webb Telescope, and he knows that those images are coming, and that you know, our capabilities are about to get a massive bump up in terms of detecting life and and different things or signatures of life, I should say. Um, but it just goes to show that. You know, it was Carl Sagan way back when that probably would have said something like that, whereas now the science communicators are really close-minded, yet the official there is, he, he kind of betrays the, the general feeling in the public that it's inevitable we're going to find life elsewhere now. You know, the exoplanets of- have gone from zero to 5,000, and, yeah. you know, many years ago, I say many, probably like 10 years ago, we probably would have thought there were zero and people would laugh at for saying that there would be exoplanets. So
0: here we are. Neil deGrasse Tyson's the creator of the Hayden Planetarium in New York, I believe, still, and I can just he imagine. Yeah, I, hope so. <laughs> I imagine young children looking through telescopes in there and looking out at the wonders of the universe and seeing the rings of Saturn. And deGrasse Tyson just walks by and goes, "It gets a bit boring after a while, you know."
1: Yeah, he called the he lunar the magic recently. Uh, I think that was last night or the night before. Yeah, he called that he did. boring. Yep. It's just like, who hurt you, man? Like, yeah. I love going out and watching that. And I had to get up at three o'clock to do it in the morning. And it was just, it was wonderful. I,
0: I, I don't like know what the problem is. It's like he was in love with a planet and another planet's taken it away from him. And he just, he's just really, really bitter about it now. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a disappointing take. But we've got Brian Cox doing the same here in the UK. So Yeah, yeah. By name, by nature, as they say. Um, and just kind of wrapping up, Carson asks of some of these UAP, maybe secret US programs. That was something we touched on earlier, the US on US or blue on blue. Um, can they be sure the US isn't chasing its own tail? I would imagine that'll be something discussed further within the classified section. Um, anything yeah. else, Dan, before I ask you about your big takeaways?
1: They, there was some conversation around the kind of... to to compete in, you you know, reasons for being in terms of the AI MSG and, and what the mission is. And that was basically that they said, on one hand, you've got this research that may represent something incredible and you'd want to communicate that in the right ways and get the right experts to look at that and so on and so forth. But then on the other side, your actual duty in the DOD is to look after national security and to look after our sensors and not really talk about these things openly. And it was when they kind of spoke about that that I thought, you know what, I, I think they're very publicly saying that they either need a separate office to start talking about, you know, the the anomalous things, or, or they're basically saying that whatever office we have to look at this cannot be housed inside the DoD because their mission is just against what the, the other outcome could be, you know?
0: Just before I ask you if you're a big takeaway, Dan, I've got uh, something I want to discuss. And it was something uh, I was tweeting someone about, one of the listeners. And do you feel the fact that the Air Force and others were were not there or involved, not that they had to be at this point, um, serve as somewhat of a warning to them? And it's a chance that they need to be more forthcoming in the background, or next time they could be the folks in those hot seats having to either lie in front of Congress or be far more open than they want to be in a very public setting yeah absolutely um there was some talk about kind of access to classified data
1: and sap programs and it made me wonder if you know there were maybe other programs that do have that designation that that can look at that data um, but yeah the, the air force has been absent from this conversation uh we, we've seen some names kind of peppered in here and there on, on signing you know memorandums and things like that but by and large there are some some deafening silences from certain organizations that according to places like politico they you know they, they may be kind of internally squabbling over what they should release uh and and it's real interesting because this is clearly a bipartisan issue today we had like six people from each party in america grilling these two guys who i mean to, to me it looked like they were peeing into the wind You know, like a lot of people are are disappointed by this, but they they looked panicked and like they even though that they were briefed by the UAPTF, they weren't prepared for all of the questions that they were asked. And there's a lot of data that they're not being given. So this this hearing stands very much as a kind of example that they can't really do what Congress has asked them to do. So we need some movement in legislation, or some movement in people, or something to to actually start getting to the bottom of this issue and getting access to the data that's historical through places like the Air Force.
0: This may change, but as it stands, a few hours after the hearings are finished, what's your what's your big takeaway from from what we've got today?
1: I mean, personally, I'm I'm loving how many people are joining this conversation now. You know, I I'm not entirely convinced that you and I will witness who's inside these craft or necessarily, you know, if they're not from here, see their home world or something like that. But this for me is the start of a snowball that that is just going to get bigger and bigger. We've already seen some of the politicians very annoyed and very angry uh, by what they experienced today. And it's just going to lead to them asking more questions. The public are going to be intrigued and they're going to be asking more questions of their officials. We have another election coming up. This is starting to become a big issue. So I, I think that these hearings are just one of the first of many and if people are frustrated or they have questions that didn't get answered that they really want answered you know hold on to your butts because we're, we're gonna get more opportunities and different officials asking different things uh this is a sea change
0: for me what i mentioned earlier about the the language and terminology that was used straight away in this it sounded more like questions that we would write down and ask congress rather than sure. what congressmen and women would be asking on, on a panel on you know live on a live broadcast and in an official setting so i thought that was really interesting and very promising for for going forward uh, interesting you mentioned obviously it's the first step and i think for a lot of us it was tempering expectations um I put out a quick poll a couple of hours ago. Are you satisfied with, satisfied with the first congressional UAP hearing? And 21% said yes, 53% have said no, and almost 25% are still undecided. So there's there's a mix, I think, of unsatisfied in terms of they weren't happy with what was asked, which I think is come on reflect on that i'm never going to tell people like we always say make up your own mind and your own opinion but (laughs) that that was good people for for what you could have expected if someone go back to yesterday and list all the things we've talked about if someone had said you would get that you would have said no way so perspective i i think you've got to be at least somewhat satisfied on reflection but people are allowed their own their own thoughts and opinion
1: i've seen some people saying that chris Mallon and Lou Elizondo have failed as if time has stopped and they can't do anything more and people can't ask more questions i think that's a really weird and strange take uh no one's failed no one's right no one's wrong right now uh you know this is the start of a process and it's awesome there is beginning
0: but to be fair it's, it's got to get to a point where it doesn't rely on chris Mellon and lou elizondo because if they stop exactly tomorrow then you can't keep going oh yeah but Lou will do something, or Chris will do something. There's, there's got to be other people, and I think that's what they are trying to do with people like Mike Gallagher and Andre Carson yeah. and and all these folks being involved. Um, you know, they have taken the They're running it
1: now. Yeah, I think. they're
0: running it for themselves.
1: I, I think people need to realise that. You know, Lou, Lou Melon might be around to answer questions, but these people are fully autonomous. People, they're doing it on their own.
0: Yeah, especially with where where Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon are now in terms of political power and political sway they they don't really have that because they're not in those roles anymore so the people who can actually short of lou telling us what he knows or chris mellon telling us what he knows which isn't going to happen this is the best chance for progress and long-term progress on the subject and that's what they have done is to move that ball further down the court um i think so down the field i suppose
1: Chris Mellon posted a comment to Twitter um, that I think summed it up pretty nicely. He said that was a frustrating hearing as well as a reminder of both how far we've come and how far we still have to go. And, and I think that's pretty spot on, to be
0: honest. I've got a few tweets from from a few people here I'm going to read out just a okay. second. I, I just wanted to, again, like Chris Mellon has said there, I watched the the last half of the hearings on YouTube and I walked into the sitting room and my wife, who knows what I do, she knows about the podcast, obviously. Um, say hello to Susan, folks. But hey, Susan. Yeah. She. Um, I. I left the room watching that, and I walked into the sitting room where she had court TV on, watching the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. Now we were quite excited about twenty or thirty thousand people watching the the congressional hearing live on YouTube. There will be millions around the world watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. That's where this conversation's still at, folks, so we have got excited about today. This was never going to be about the even not the world but the u s public waking up to everyone being involved in that. I would still bet every single penny I haven't ever make that today there is still far more interest in a general public sense of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's court trial than there is on uAP hearings going on in Congress, so I sadly agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 true the it's t- changing <laughs> and, and you, you know, Johnny
1: Depp I think is an Amber they their kind of escapism i think in a way a lot of people see this uap stuff and they switch off because they just they don't have time to kind of get the nuances and and really spend time drilling down you know people there's there's an investment you have to go back and
0: research and go right wait a minute and it's the conversations we've all had isn't it of oh but what about roswell right forget roswell forget all that stuff what about now here's what's happening and it's a lot to give to people to take on board and the, the people getting in touch with us, Dan, and saying that they listened to the podcast a while ago or they heard theories of everything or they heard the uh, flavor on Rogan, all that kind of stuff, have spent time getting back into the subject, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, getting involved on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. It's not just a, oh, the U, UAP Congress, congressional hearings are on. I'm going to sit and watch that. I don't think that's the interest that's going to be there quite yet. So, I thought it was an interesting and down-to-earth juxtaposition. Again, I'm using that word to go from the room I was in to next door and my wife's watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard on Court TV. It is, however, if you look at the
1: live stream uh, on the Intelligence Select, too many words, that place. Uh, If you go on YouTube and you find the live stream of it, uh, you can see that it's already the most popular video on that channel. And that channel has been going for many, many a year. So it, it, just to gauge the public interest there, um, yeah. you, you know, people people are interested. Uh, we just need to enable the right people to keep pushing this lever. And, and I think we have that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned, just to finish up, folks, on those tweets, Chris Mellon, like Dan said, that was a frustrating hearing as well as a reminder both of how far we've come and how far we still have to go. Uh, Sean Cahill followed it up with, this is a pragmatic takeaway. Um, We have never been here before. Expectations must be managed while realistic data-driven programs and leadership have time to catch up. We have leaders fighting for truth and in the open asking the right questions. Uh, Jeremy Corbell, dear UFO Twitter, Hellfire missiles have been deployed upon the UFO topic, sent to ignite and weaponize your curiosity regarding this ever-expanding universe of UFO understanding and confirmation buckle up, strap in, get ready for some atomic kinetic action. Never one to... Jeremy. Go, to on. Go on. Do something crazy. <laughs> uh, George Knapp said that was a lot to unpack from the UFO hearing. This congressman, and he means Mike Gallagher, has done his homework asking about the maelstrom incursion involving disabled nooks. And brackets, DOD seemed strangely clueless about it. And uh, Republican Tim Burchett on Twitter uh, said the UFO hearing this morning was a total joke. We should have heard from people who could talk about things they'd personally seen, but instead Instead, the witnesses were government officials with limited knowledge who couldn't give real answers to serious questions. And then yeah, afterwards, I think, uh, in a that's video... That's point. Yeah. Imagine Frava was
1: in that hearing, you know? Imagine yeah. we saw those gimbal videos and had Ryan Graves talking about it and explaining
0: the flight path and what happened with the actual radar data. D- different conversation then. Gabby Schwartz, if you follow Gabby NBC, uh, he shared a video of Tim Burchett after it's doing the rounds o- online and Tim Burchett says himself there are better videos taken from pilots wing cameras that they should be showing. So I imagine Tim Burchett has seen or is very well aware. of very specific, of those, right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much, you know, like uh, they filmed the tic-tac off his wing. You might as well watch that. So yeah, yeah interesting. And uh, these are the people that are frustrated but hopefully keep pushing this forward. So, Dan, what now? We've had the congressional hearing.
1: So I mean, we're going to probably see a lot of fallout from that in the next week or, you know, the short-term future. I I would expect more hearings coming, uh, more questions being asked. We're going to see the name change of the office, and who knows, fingers crossed, hopefully we'll see it moved out of there or even some other departments i.e nasa or someone like that starting their own uap programs within their kind of remit because they are an educational facing you know public facing organization it would make a lot more sense for them to talk about uh non-human intelligence
0: absolutely dan uh, later in the week we'll do a breakdown talk about a few news points i've got a few things to to bring up and uh Next week on Monday, I'll have an interview, probably a shorter one, 30, 40 minutes with Brandon Fugel, owner of Skinwalker Ranch, got some questions to put to him. I'll be certainly asking about the congressional hearings today and some of his thoughts on those as well. And we've also got our Aerial School Phenomenon documentary review that will come out towards the end of next week. I'm right in saying the documentary itself comes out in three days. Is it the end of this week, the 20th of May? That's right. 20th, yeah. Cool. So again, uh we'll give our honest thoughts on aerial School phenomenon documentary. I think we said if you've listened to the or watched the tear in the sky one, um we felt it was certainly a more enjoyable watch than a tear in the sky. And thank you to um the UEPX crew who many of them have commented to say they, they felt our review was very fair and honest. So we appreciated that because yeah, we're not going cool to here. lie about stuff. So yeah, um thanks gentlemen for, for that. But yes, Dan, until until next time thank you
1: thank you it's uh it's been a historic day and just to thank you to to sean rash uh jay king Vinny, priscilla uh kate i graham i'm sure there's nathan as well uh basically we all did a live stream and it was really cool to kind of be with a bunch of like-minded people watching this and experiencing it when i think
0: of this in decades i'll think of those guys so thank you guys uh, it was really cool And thank you to Amber Heard and Johnny Depp for giving my wife something (laughs) else to watch while I was watching the historical hearings as well. So until next time, folks, thanks for listening Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFOUAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
1: It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the... When I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected
0: me to see his ass, but I'd have some champagne and smoked a for
1: Meditated game of fateful on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. and then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. And I called up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and they think I should see therapy and I don't know what it because that doesn't really scare me. consider your lies, consider your life, consider your